Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Fellas, welcome to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. My name is Hector Santi Esteban. I'll be your host, your, your guide for today. And as always, I'm honored that you would spend some time with us today. And, and I'm humbled that you would let me be a part of your journey. And I hope this episode finds you well. But more importantly, I hope this episode, as always, leaves you better than when it found you. And I, I'm almost certain that that's going to be the case. Today's episode is with Philip Folsom, who has quickly become one of my favorite just people on this planet. And not for anything that Philip has done, because he's a badass and he's done a lot of amazing things from his time in the service to the men's group that he's built to the life that he's created for himself. But more importantly, what I love about Philip is he embodies, he talks the talk because he shows men the way, but he also walks the walk. And I think that's why men follow him. And this is my second time getting a chance to interview Philip. And we hit on some of the stuff, but this one was even more relevant because chances are, guys, you guys are going through something. I know you are, or you wouldn't be here listening to this show right now. I'm pretty sure that this is going to give you exactly what you need. So without further ado, let me get out of the way because today's episode is with Philip Folsom. Philip, welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast. Thanks for being here, my man. Yeah. Hey, I just saw your hat, Front Row Dads. Yeah, I was at the event and Josh Wenner was actually at our retreat and that was a powerful experience that he led us through and grateful for that. So I'm sure we'll get into it. What is it? Businessmen, not businessmen, dads who are businessmen. Yeah, it's uh, family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. Get your fucking priorities straight. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's why you're here, Philip. So take us into your world though, because the listeners heard a little bit about your background. We know you're leading a group of men. You've been doing some great things for men for a while, but I'd imagine that even now you're still going through it. You're still integrating, as you said. So what are some challenges that you're facing now as a man, a partner or a husband, or you know, however that looks, or an entrepreneur? Like, Take us into your world a little bit. Yeah. All of your listeners and yourself, you were dealing with two big core wounds from childhood, which was either a fear of abandonment or a fear of inadequacy. Both? Could it be both? Come on. Which one was deeper? I think it's an abandonment. Oh, wow. Mine is inadequacy. And it's one of those two. That's the genesis of either our villain narrative or our heroic narrative. It's the source of our limiting beliefs, our inner critic, the dragon that we fight with throughout our heroic journey, whatever those pieces are. And so that particular dragon of inadequacy for me, I recognized at a very early age and I intuitively started putting myself in structures or institutions or careers that provided external accountability for me to be successful. And most of the men listening to this have a similar story of that. That's why we went into sports. We knew that there was an infrastructure of success and performance, and maybe there's norms and values and a shared goal, but it's all external. And we learn that that is a way that makes us adequate. We 
draw our adequacy from external structures. And once we transition out of that phase where we have sports and we have school and we have the military, we have this external structure and we're released into the wild of creating our own structure, that's where most men crater and some never come out. That's why that there's so many reintegration or transition challenges from the military and police and sports. So I'm going through that in some ways in that this 30-year career that I've had, which teaching leadership was my infrastructure that kept me being successful because people expect me to be competent and well-prepared and on time because I have to model a certain level of leadership. Initially, that was not me at all. It was putting on this mask that I would go into the arena in the same way that the barbarians would wear the fur of a fucking bear because they would put on that identity so that they could become that. And we do the same thing. We put on the bear jersey for a football team. That's why we have that almost really an atavistic and ancient way of drawing strength from some totemic source. It takes a long time to integrate that into who you really are. I wasn't fully revealed as drawing almost the majority of my power from external sources until I started writing. And I've written my whole life. I mean, in grad school, and I mean, I've been a writer, but not a serious writer. I wrote papers because I had to write a paper or a blog if I had to write a blog or the curriculum for the Cape War men's work. I did a lot of writing with that. But last year I started writing books. Now it's just me. There's no drill sergeant. There's no boss. There's no client. There's nobody who's watching what I'm doing except for me. All my shit has been revealed. Like, oh, you're lazy. You're easily distracted. You're a coward. You're undisciplined. Like, I had to look at all that old shit and go like, oh, okay. I need to really go in and shore up all of these truths that are actually me and draw in from my history of being successful. That's the challenge that I'm in right now of really looking at who I am in the writing context because it's very revealing. It's just you and the keyboard, man. Yeah. It's really interesting. One of the themes that's come up in these conversations is these evolutions that men go through. And there's these stages, and you talked about them being, you know, in, in sports or military, there's this structure. And once they get out of it, what seems to happen is they go through this identity crisis, which it's probably a terrible way to say it, but essentially kind of what happens. And then also this lack of community. And I think what is really interesting about K4 and the group that you've built, guys, you listeners, I don't want this to be a K4 plug all the time, but I mean, there's so much thought that's put into what you're doing and so much behind it that I think just drawing out some of those principles will be really helpful. But there's two things that I think are from the outside that I see is these identities. You've got the four different archetypes or kind of what you probably talk about it better, but you've got your king, your magician, your warrior, your lover, right? These kind of different emblems of a man. But then you also, there's a big aspect of community and a big aspect of coming together with guys. And I see, you know, kind of the messages that you're sharing with the guys and how they are kind of interacting with it. So would love for you to just talk about why those seem to be central tenets of the group and why you think that men specifically need those. Yeah. Well, this is not pop culture information. And there's a lot of that happening driven by the internet and the current men's movement is that we're desperately ranging across different schools of thought to try to find some source of meaning and efficacy in our lives. And that's been going on forever. And again, I've been in the professional leadership coaching field for 30 years, and I did the same thing of, now oh, is it Covey? Is it Tony Robbins? I, who's doing the, the cool new acronym? And eventually, I started seeing a common theme. It's like a fractal. A fractal is something that works at every level. It's a repeated pattern. And so, you know, a lot of my early anthropology work of 
studying particularly warrior culture, because that was of great interest to me coming from the military. And why are we not able to reintegrate our men back? That was where it started for me. And I was realizing that all this pop culture, psychology, men's work stuff, the things that are working are actually really ancient things. They're not complex at all. They're actually very simple. They're just really fucking hard. They basically come down to, we need a map or to provide engagement and simplicity for very complex topics. And a map makes those things very simple. That's the function of a map is that it can take a state or a globe or a concept that's too big to actually fully understand and just make it very simple. Like, oh, there's three steps or I go left and then I go right. That's what a map does. And there are three, what I call master maps that basically cover everything about life. And I didn't invent these. I've just pulled them from either other people who have already discovered them. Joseph Campbell discovered the hero's journey. That's probably one of the most transformational maps that speaks to every aspect of a human life. And it's profound. I have never hit the bottom of that map. But if you don't understand the hero's journey, then you're pretty lost in transitioning around the course of your life. And the hero's journey is the monomyth. It is the plot line of every mythological, spiritual heroic story we have ever told. And there's a reason why we keep retelling it, because it is the map of life. The archetypes are a map of psychology. It is the map of your internal world and all the roles and all the different voices that are going on inside of you. But it's also the map, again, the fractal of the way that different people interact interpersonally. So the way that identities interact with each other is incredibly complex, but you put a map on it, those four masculine archetypes, it's very understandable. It's very actionable. And it's remarkably simple. The last map is what we call the tribe triangle. And it is basically how an honor-based culture works. It's how you take a bunch of lone wolves and you build a pack so that you can hunt big game. And again, incredibly broad, deep topic, but there's really four different stages that are unavoidable and they're sequential. And if you understand these three maps, you can pretty much navigate through any aspect of your life if you have good people. Can you go into that last map a little bit more? I don't know if I fully grasp that one. All right. So there's two different forms of culture that exist. They're the operating systems of people together in groups. One of them is our OS, original operating system, and that is an honor-based culture. It is the way the military operates, sports teams, really successful families. And an honor-based culture is basically uh, relationship-based. Probably the best way to describe this is the one word Ubuntu, which is the African word for humanity. And it means I am because we are, and we are because I am. I only exist in the context of my community. My community only exists because there are individuals participating in it. So that's the duality, but also the singularity of an honor-based culture. We are all deeply interdependent, and we're all working on a shared project, which is success, communal success. That honor-based culture, which is tribe, at its very core, it is tribe, has been replaced by what's called a pride-based culture, which celebrates the individual. This is what we're currently experiencing. And it is an experiment for humanity. For the quarter million years we've been on the planet, we have run honor-based culture. It's the source of meaning, purpose, resiliency. Every aspect of humanity that's good has come from that culture. A pride-based culture of this world is my journey. I'm an individual. 
how I define myself and express myself and my legacy. It's all about me. And other people are almost NPCs in this game of a pride-based life. It's a really interesting experiment, and it's proving to be unsuccessful if you look at the tracking the clinical anxiety and suicide and depression and addiction and feelings of hopelessness and lack of belonging. We're not doing well in this pride-based culture. A lot of men in this current, the men's movement, modern masculinity, is looking at how do I find more meaning and purpose and significance in life? And it always comes down to, well, I need other men. I need to have something that is shared, that carries purpose in it. I need a set of values that we understand how we operate when we engage with each other. And it's not random. Nietzsche, most people have heard of, God is dead. Nietzsche said that, one of his famous quotes. And what he was really saying was he was not celebrating that we've killed God with science. He's saying, we fucked up. We killed God, and now we have to take that place. In order to take the place of the God we just killed, which provided everything, meaning, purpose, values, a vision, like all those things that religion delivered for humans. Now we have to deliver all those things. And to do that, we will have to become the Superman. As soon as you realize, well, I can do and be anything in this world. Now I'm responsible for establishing my own values because nobody's giving them to me, my own sense of meaning and my own purpose in the world. Who are the people that I choose to be around me? It's almost a recipe for disaster in terms of the scope and scale and just the decision fatigue to be able to manage the full scope of creating your own universe. That's why you have to become the Superman is you're creating a universe and still trying to be a good dad and make money and stay in shape and do all the things. Whereas we've never had to do that before because our tribe provided us with all of those things. This is who you are. This is how you act. This is what we do. This is what provides meaning. And now your job is to just run that play. There's a wonderful opportunity in it, but a, a massive challenge. You talked about the depression, the suicide. And another thing that's unfortunately come up on this show is that men's mental health is suffering. It's not going in the right direction. I think they talk about the deaths of distress or there's some sort of stat where it's suicide, alcohol, overdose, basically mental health caused deaths and men are suffering significantly worse than women. And what's interesting is I think that when you think back to your maps, I would imagine that they don't even know that the map exists Exist, but they get stuck, right? Especially in that hero's journey. I'm in my own forest right now. I'm in, I'm in the jungle right now. And I know that one part of that process is finding mentors and finding other allies and reaching out. So there's this process that you got to have to go through. But I'm curious if you've seen where men have gotten stuck in that. Because I, I think that the reaching out and the asking for help and the connecting with other guys was only something that I started to do because things got so bad that I was looking for any sort of support or answers. So for you, is there something that you see keeps guys stuck or that when men join K4, something gets unstuck or a channel gets opened, if you will? Yeah, the biggest challenge is, and you're familiar with the hero's journey, there's four stages of this. And most men never get to the last two, which is where all the juice and joy exists. So the first two stages that we continually loop are the call to adventure, which is we wake up and realize, fuck, this is not working for me. I've lost something or I've never had it and it's unsustainable. And this is where every heroic journey starts. You know, it's when Neo wakes up or name the character. It's Luke Skywalker staring out at the moons going, I was destined for more than this. And then we get the mentor that comes in and says, actually, would you like to come be a Jedi? 
and all men refuse the call. And they all have some reason for doing this. Usually it's, I don't have time to go to a men's group because I have work on Monday. It's too expensive. I can't pay the 200 bucks a month or there's some, whatever. I don't need it, but there's always some reason why we refuse the call. And that's built into the hero's journey. Luke Skywalker did not go to be a Jedi. He said, I can't go follow you because I have work the next day. Like that's the classic response, right? We've all done it. Like the reason why I can't go to that retreat or I can't get sober or I can't start going to the gym is, well, you don't understand how demanding my life is. It's like, yeah, well, if you don't, then what's going to happen is fate is going to intervene and fate guides those who will and those who won't. She drags. It's an old Roman proverb. So you're going to get your ass dragged if you don't find the time and find the resources. And for Luke, the thing that was stopping him was work and his family. And so fate goes, well, let me just get that out of the way for you so you can go on your journey. That's a pretty brutal response, but fate doesn't really give a shit. So many examples in life, yeah. though, that's, what, that's exactly what happens. You're too busy to go to the gym? Well, you're not too busy to be sick, and that's what's coming. Get ready to be fat. Right? Get ready to lose vitality. And at some point, if you don't handle your relationship, get ready for the meltdown. If you don't handle your fitness, you don't handle your finances, if you don't handle your shit, if you do not answer the call then you get dragged out into the woods that you mentioned. And we all have been dragged. In the woods, we end up running from our dragon, which is inadequacy and abandonment. And the only time we can actually start playing offense and instead of running, start hunting that beast, which is I'm actually now intentionally looking at improving my life. I will do whatever it takes. Now, you cannot do that alone. And this is where pride-based men, lone wolf men, when they finally realize, I actually need to pull down a bison. Well, you're not doing that by yourself. You need about six other good dudes who are going like, yeah, I too am hunting a bison. And that thing is big enough for all to eat. That's hunting your dragon. You can only go into the cave you fear to enter that contains the treasure you seek, Joseph Campbell with the support and more importantly, the accountability of other men, because you know you will run. When you're faced with the shit, you're going to go to every addictive coping mechanism, avoidance strategy that you have developed over your entire life to avoid the death that happens in that cave. The only reason why you will ever even go into the cave is you've got other good men who are guarding the exits and they will not let you run. And then you got to go in and take a good look at your dragon and you will realize that the thing that's haunted and hunted you your entire life has your face on it. It's always been you. And that's the brutal awakening of, fuck, I'm responsible for all of my self-sabotage, all of my resistance, my failure. It's not my dad. It's not the government. It's not my wife or my boss. It's always been me. And my failure to appropriately respond to life. I've been reacting to all of the old stories that I still have from childhood. And that's the Superman moment where you become the hero of the story and you realize that as soon as you walk out of that cave and you realize that you are the dragon, now what's what? You know, so who are you going to be? What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? The two big challenges here to answer your question, long story. I know most men don't have the support to go into the cave. And so what they end up doing is finding some excuse to go back to sleep and start their journey over again. So they numb out on porn, they numb out on booze, they avoid, distract, diffuse, and they go back to sleep. And that cycle is what I see being repeated endlessly for most men. 
the men who actually build their allies and get through the cave, well, they leave that cave with the full knowledge that they're the hero of their own story, the author of their own story, and the responsibility breaks them because it's the heaviest burden that you will ever carry is that realization that everything in your life is now up to you. Brutal. And a lot of men actually turn back at that point, you know, that make a good run at transformation and then just realize I don't have the legs for it. I can't carry this. I can't carry this pack anymore. It, it takes a while to acclimate to the weight of a heavy pack. It reminds me of this story that's actually, I believe it's in the King Magician Warrior Lover or however that order goes. And he talks about running from some Chinese proverb or story where he's running from the Chinese army and he goes into a cave and you know the army's following behind him and, and he runs in and he's running from the emperor and, and he, he comes in and goes to the cave and, and sees the emperor, right? And there's this moment of essentially dying to oneself. And I would imagine that that is so painful for most guys emotionally that they're shying away from that through the porn, through the whatever, right? It's so painful, but only relatively if speaking, only because most of the guy, I'm 30, and most of the guys growing up you know, around me had a pretty cushy upbringing. So this emotional pain, this emotional dying, frankly, it can be debilitating. 100%, yeah. There's a period of the stages of grief that have to be gone through. And when you said, frankly, Victor Frankl, he said, the line between good and evil runs through the heart of every man and who would willingly kill half their own heart? It's really not killing your old identity. It's integrating it. It's absolving it. For a lot of us men, the source of our original wounding is our dads. The classic hero's journey is when you go into the cave, it's your dad who's in there. It's the dad version of you that you've adopted. We've all become our dads. In most mythology, the hero's journey is actually entering the underworld to rescue and redeem our fathers. And what that means psychologically is that our father was either a tyrant or he was weak, browbeaten, pussy whipped, whatever you want to call it, or he was non-existent. So I either desperately tried not to be my dad or I have become my dad. In Star Wars, Luke goes into the cave he fears to enter and Yoda said, you're not ready for this. He goes, I'm not afraid. And Yoda says, yeah, well, you will be. And inside the cave is Darth Vader. And in German, that's Darth Vader, the Dark Father. Obviously, Darth Vader is Luke's father. And so Luke kills his father in the cave and sees his face under the helmet. I mean, it's all brutal foreshadowing and metaphor. Are you okay double tapping on this, though? Because I was hanging out with some buddies from high school this past weekend. And I just, I don't know that this concept... It's like, it's so pressing for them because all of them are dealing with it. I love my dad, but similarly, he fit in one of those categories. And I've talked about this on the show, but I feel like so many guys are just walking around with this wooden plank in their eye that they don't even realize is there that's obscuring their vision. So if they realize that, let's say their dad was, well, I don't know, we can pick one, whatever we want to pick, but like, how does someone work through that? Well, there's understanding, there's compassion. There's forgiveness that your dad did the very best he could with what he had. My dad certainly did. My dad had no access to all the things that I have access to. He didn't have king, warrior, magician, love. He was not introduced to meditation. He was not introduced to any of the things that we have. And that's just common knowledge now is that, oh, yeah, you need to be doing some sort of mindfulness practice. Yeah, the addiction is real. Like, There's a whole host of vitality practices that we have that didn't exist for our fathers. So there is a absolution that needs to happen. And what that really is, is it's an absolution of self, is that we're also doing the best that we can with what we have. 
in our developmental state. The redeeming and rescue of our father from the underworld is a self-redemptive process. I think it's kind of looking in ourselves. What you're hinting at, I think some people have called like the shadow self or this other self that we are pretending is not there. I share that the classic example of, I always grew up and thought my dad wrote so crazy. He wrote all caps letters. And I was like, why do you do that? As I'm getting older, our handwriting is nearly identical. It's just these strange things. And I had this realization. And then there was a time my wife and I were in a fight or a conflict, whatever. And she's like, you're just acting like your dad. And I was like, you know, like it was a real gut punch because I think that we, perhaps blind ourselves to that. We pretend that we don't have that inside of us. Maybe that's just me. Is that something that you've seen in other guys or experienced as well? Yeah. The father wound is almost universal. You don't get out of this son journey without the father wound. The big agenda of the masculine hero's journey, it's very different than the feminine, the heroine's journey. It has the same sequence and the same cycles, but the agendas are different. And the ultimate agenda, what we're all struggling for is freedom. And that could be freedom from addiction, financial freedom. There's a bunch of different versions of freedom, but what that mean, whatever that means for you. And also meaning. So freedom and meaning are the holy grails of the masculine hero's journey. And you'll notice that we're all doing it. We're all looking for some significance, some legacy, some purpose that is meaningful. And we're also looking for emancipation from freedom. And really what that is, is we are breaking the ancestral curse of our fathers who were not able to get free and live a life of meaning. That's the goal of the hero's journey, is that if we can break that ancestral curse of our fathers, then not only do we rescue our fathers and redeem our fathers, but we also don't have to pass that on to our children, which is inevitably what we're going to be doing if we don't undertake that quest. We just pass that curse on. What's interesting is I was in a breathwork event or at a breathwork event down in Huntington Beach last week. And, and one of the things that came up. And your dad never had that, bro. Well, no, he did not. No. And I'm so grateful that now even my four-year-old, he's got his breathwork. He's already got built the habit already, you know, and when he gets his nervous system gets triggered, he's building that habit. And I'm grateful for that. But what was interesting with that, and I didn't anticipate, and, and it's coming up a little bit in some of the work, is the undoing of not only my dad's, but my grandpa's stuff. Things that weird images of, of him and, and experiences that he's going through and went through and the undoing of that. And I think the challenge is that it's, that's two generations past. Not only is it below the surface, but it's so deep that our awareness, unless we're really spending the time, I also looked at my, my breathwork app. I've done like close to 200 sessions over the last six months or so. It's like, sometimes maybe you need to go that deep or do that much work to get there. But is that unfathomable to think that there's that much work to be done, that there's that much un undoing to undo? Number one, your, your dad didn't have apps. He didn't know what breath work was. None of that shit. That consciousness-inducing technology or awareness was available. So how do you even make a run at freedom and meaning if you have none of that available? The Beatles had to bring in a guru from India to teach them meditation. We all have it on our phones. Really what freedom and meaning is, is the ability to choose. It's divinity. That's what gods do, is they create. The ability to be free and create meaningfully is our, our divine nature. That can only exist from awareness. Choice is a function of awareness. So if you're not doing consciousness-inducing practices and work, such as breath work, meditation, men's groups, all of this stuff, then you haven't developed the consciousness that you can make active decisions. You're basically reacting to almost all of your thoughts, 
emotions, and sensations, which is all life is to animals. To be able to choose, that's a whole different operating system. I find it incredibly exciting that we're probably the first generation to have access to this. Your son is going to look back at how remedial your work is because they're going to be another level. Like they're going to be tapped into a level of consciousness and information that we don't even have. We are bringing consciousness into the universe. That's the human. We're the only animal that is fully self-aware. And we're not a self-aware most of the time. Imagine being self-aware all the time, what we would be. And basically, you're the Dalai Lama, you're Buddha, you're Christ at that point. There's the potential for that in our species. Uh, We have to unlock active, constant consciousness. That really is the function of the hero's journey is to wake up, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. And as soon as we scroll our phone, as soon as we do any of these distracting activities, we are dropping back to our base nature. We're no longer actively creating. We're just consuming. Philip, when we get back from break, I want to talk about these other two maps because I think that they're really important. I also want to talk about the changing, the evolution of masculinity in today's world and how that's really starting to look different. So, uh, fellas, stick around. We're going to get into that right after this quick break. Hey, fellas, today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a podcast and content creation company. And and chances are, if you're listening to this, you might have a mission, a message, a passion, a purpose, something that you want to get out to the world, but you don't have the time or the team or the tech skills to be able to do it. Uh, We can help. Go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com. You can also check the show notes for info. And with that, let's get back to today's episode. Philip, I want to actually start with the, the last thing that I mentioned, which is this changing evolution of, of masculinity. And I've mentioned it a lot at this show, but just to clue you in, part of the reason that I started this show was I was being called, or I don't know where I was in the journey, but I knew that I was not prepared for what I was going through. I was spending a lot more time with the kids, the relationships were getting strained, everything was really being taxed. And in the midst of that, I was looking for what is my role? If not solely just to provide, what is it? If I'm all of a sudden in an equal or more of a caretaking role, then you know all these questions come up, right? And so now more and more men are spending time at home. More and more women are going out there and, and working. And the education levels, I just saw that you know within the next few years, women are going to be outpacing men in college, something like 60 to 40. And so it's just like all of these things are changing and guys are sitting there. The ones who are married and have a partner, they're dealing with all this internal conflict, if you will. And then the guys who are out there dating, I was just looking at some stats, are like really struggling. It's really challenging both for guys. You know, there's no guys who are out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are guys who are out there winning. But as a whole, collectively, the shift has really left guys with I don't know, like, like with their dick in their hands, like frankly, is like what it feels like. So how do you feel about how men can be approaching this new shifting culture and stuff? Yeah. Well, this is the second big men's movement. The first one was in the 80s with Robert Bly. And, you know, it was an appropriation of North American indigenous cultures with drum circles and sweat lodges and retreats. And we have been looking backwards for masculine roadmaps for a long time. That men's movement collapsed because it didn't incorporate traditional masculinity. And this modern men's movement is doing a much better job at that. You'll notice that there's a lot of intentional adversity that is involved. Breathwork is not fun, what you did today. Ice baths are definitely not fun. Jiu-jitsu, people say it's fun, but basically you're going in there and 
fighting other dudes to the death whenever you go to class. There's a whole bunch of shit that is in an active integration of very traditional masculine behaviors or ethos. So in many ways, back to the Nietzsche question of God is dead, I don't know if I can be a Superman. So I'm looking back at some role models or some culture sets that provide freedom and meaning. And mythology is a great one. We look back at the heroes of all time and we realize that the labyrinth is fully known. Another Joseph Campbell quote. The whole quote is, we need not fear this journey alone for the heroes of all time have gone before us and the labyrinth is fully known. So we don't we don't have to recreate like what's this new version of masculinity? It's there, it exists, and and we we're still watching the same damn movies with the same characters. You know, the Avengers is the hero's journey. Look at the masculine superheroes in all of those films. Are they weak? Are they liars? Are they like those are traditional men? Now there's certainly a modern upgrade to all of these things, which is consciousness and awareness and compassion and patience. But again, I would venture to say those same qualities can be seen in all of our ancient stories as well. I'd love just to kind of go deeper into that point because I was reading a book recently that was talking about the challenge of men getting raised by women, essentially, that in an agrarian society, the boys were with the women until a certain age, and then they went out with the men and worked in the fields. And so you got that time with men and, and you saw how to be, you, you got that example, if you will. Whereas, I don't know what the time period was, but it's definitely my generation and, and may, maybe a little bit before, everything from the time spent with moms to the amount of female to male teachers, everything was a a women, I don't know, it, it was a, a women created the structure through which the men created their expectations. And so I, I realized that so much of, of my, my programming was built on what a woman thought a man should be acting like. I've had to even like question what is real and what's that programming and what is authentically me. And that has been an undoing process in itself. <laughs> okay. The women's role raising sons is to domesticate them. And thank God they do that. Otherwise we'd be fucking throwing shit at each other. Like we'd be climbing trees, throwing shit. We'd be fucking animals. So our mothers domesticate us and they make us play nice. And Dr. Robert Glover wrote the famous book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. That's the book I'm referring that, to. Yeah. yeah, that's pervasive. All the covert contracts of, I'm a really nice guy, honey, and I'm doing all these things for you. And I hope you'll give it up tonight. I'm not going to ask for it, but I'm just hoping that because I did all these things that I'll get my needs met. And they never do because you never ask for them and you never demand them. You never require them. So you don't get your needs met. And then you become resentful and bitter and fucking jerk off. It's like, okay, that's the nice guy journey. So when our mothers create nice boys and mothers create safe boys because mothers don't want to see their kid fall out of a tree and break their leg. So they keep us out of the trees. So that's their job. Domestic and safe, very valuable. Thanks, mom. Like if we didn't have that, we would be animals. But the movement or transition or initiation into your father's house is no longer being nice. It means, well, did you punch him back? Oh, did your mom ever say punch him back? No, your mom said turn the other cheek. Your mom said, well, did you go to talk to the principal about it? And did you go through conflict resolution? Your dad said, well, did you fucking punch him back? Did you set your boundaries? Did you win? Like that's your dad's house. It's not nice and it's not safe. And to be men who are capable of pursuing 
freedom and meaning, you are not nice and you are not safe. And if you have not transitioned into that warrior archetype, then you are the classic nice guy, which is almost pervasive in our current culture because there is no initiation into our father's house. Even if you had a present father, you still don't really know what he does, how he deals with defeat and resistance and struggle because he's doing that at work. And like you said, you're being raised by a mom and feminine teachers. And then you go into your wife or your girlfriend and you play that same game. And so that's where this journey of masculinity has led us is to a world of deeply emasculated men. Yeah, that's why we're here. (laughs) You talked about rite of passages. I'd love for you to expand a little bit more on that. I think you guys even do something like that with the group as well. An initiation is not just an event. An initiation is is an endless spiral. You're constantly fine-tuning how authentic are your boundaries and where do you surrender them? How purpose-driven is your decision-making process? Or are you lying periodically? The initiation process is forever, but the lease has to start with some sort of an awareness of these topics that we've been covering in the last hour. And so an introduction to that, an introduction to the maps, an introduction to resiliency protocol, this is a masculine sphere. To be, the ability to be able to persevere in the face of adversity is a requirement for men. And that's just classic resiliency work. If you haven't been introduced to those seminal and semen masculinity, if you haven't been introduced to those core tools, then you're not going to be able to navigate and succeed on any heroic journey. You're going to be turned back when your nice guy is revealed. You can't play safe, so you'll be turned back. So that initiation process is the death of the boy and the birth of the man. And it's also the death of the transactional, immediate gratification, external validation currency that we live by, being replaced by the currency of service and meaning and purpose. It's a completely different engine that powers a life. The K4 Men's Group, we have a three-month rite of passage program where it's online, you're embedded in a cohort of other men that are going through this process. And basically, it's the integration work of where am I on the hero's journey? You know, what are the archetypes that are running within me? And how do I make sense of all these different voices that are telling me different things? And so how do I navigate that journey into being a man that is able to do meaningful things? We'll link up all that info in the show notes. And uh, is there anywhere else that they can go to get more connected with you or the K4 movement? Yeah, k4men.com is our website. And I'm Philip Folsom. My work is I'm a leadership and culture consultant, so I work with a lot of big organizations and executive teams in those organizations, and my company is called Wolf Tribe, and basically, I'm doing the same work that K4 is, except I'm doing it at an organizational level. So either one of those places, you can find me. Philip, thanks for doing this. This has been a powerful episode, and maybe you'll grace us with a, a round two. Anytime, bro. If you fellas made it this far, we would uh, love and appreciate a rating, a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you know a guy who needs this, send him this episode. Even if you're just considering it, you're not sure, just send him this episode because chances are there's a guy out there who needs to hear this that you might be able to help. And as always, thanks for being a part of the tribe. We'll see you on the next one. Later, fellas. If iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. 
But if you're a man and you're alone or listening to this, then who sharpens you? What's going on, guys? Ted Thayton here, host of the Modern Man Podcast, also founder of the Noble Knights Mastermind Group. And I'm just out here encouraging you to find your circle. Maybe you're on a personal growth journey and nobody around you understands the new mentality that you're possessing. That's okay. You can find an online community that will pour into you, will navigate your goals and navigate your obstacles, share their experiences, resources, and more. Join the Noble Knights Mastermind Group and try us out for free to tap into a community of men helping each other scale up and reach their goals. Check out themodernmanpodcast.com.